um, is that this is just giving fuel to the the non-believers who already say, well, how can this guy be a follower of Christ if this is what right. he's doing? And it's like the moment a Christian says the same thing, you're just empowering a, a, a narrative that's just simply false about what being a follower of Christ actually is. Yeah. So why why are you doing that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the whole, it, it's the understanding of Peter. Peter was the worst because there is no sin greater than the other, except right, for one, right, which is right. denouncing Christ. Right. But you know what the funny thing is? I think that the narrative of Peter, especially right before the crucifixion, shows us that even those who denounce Christ have the opportunity mm-hmm. for redemption. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if not, I'm sorry, Peter, as far as I'm concerned, could have, should have, would have been in hell. And yet he ended up being the rock that the church is built on. Yeah, the one responsible for the primary message. Yes. Jordan. And this is Devin. Welcome to I to I, the podcast. It's all about being open and honest and real, having conversations about life and faith. And you know we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. Uh, and tonight, surprise, no different. Uh, but we're going to have a good night tonight, and I just want to go ahead and get down to business. So, uh, first things first, uh, we are going to have a conversation about how. Mr. Trebek chokes up. I'm sorry. I, was, I just, I don't know. For those who used to watch Daryl Hammond on Saturday Night Live, I always have to make some type of Sean Connery reference. Um, y'all just bear with me. It's a funny hat. It's it a is. big hat. Yes, Trebek. Yes. Oh, mother. Okay. Yeah. It's too much happening. Anyway, pray for the man of God. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, let's, let's, let's go back to Monday night. They're dealing with famous phrases and this clue. In the title of a groundbreaking 1890 expose of poverty in New York City slums, these three words follow how the. 30 seconds, good luck. Drove, you're smiling. I like that. Let's take a look at your response. Did you come up with the right one? No? What is we love you? That's very kind of you. Thank you. Cost you. 1995. You're left with five bucks. Okay. We love you, Alex. Uh, not even a question at all, but it was the best answer given on that episode of Jeopardy that aired this past Monday. And it actually turned into a really touching story. So we want to go ahead and talk about that first. Um, talking about a dude named Dhruv Gaur, uh, Indian fellow uh, that goes to Brown University. He's a college student majoring in, in, in economics and also in public health. Tells you a little something about him. That's kind of cool. Mm. Uh, and he was also the 2018 college champion. Um, and so what had happened was uh, they were doing the annual tournament of champions. Oh, I um, love the tournament of champions. Yeah, the tournament of champions is always cool. And it was dope because I know when I was a kid, my dad and my grandma used to watch this joint and they would own it, yo. Like for mm-hmm. real, my pop should have been on Jeopardy. 
a long time ago. Shouts to see Rutherford one. Why weren't you up there making <laughs> all that money like Billy Ho on White Man Can't Jump? We Come watch on. it almost every night at dinner. We love it. The yeah. boys, I have video of both boys doing very awkward white men dances uh, to the Final Jeopardy music. They love it. Okay. Well, yeah, Lord. it's very strange. I'll we got to do something about that because your yeah. youngest looks like he should be a Channing Tatum, which means he's to have some kind of rhythm. Well, he's. I think he's got a little bit more rhythm than Ty, but Ty is very much the uh, dance like nobody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like the risky business type. I, on the other hand, am very much a don't dance because everybody's watching. That's a good <laughs> so idea as well. So I just, I uh, Timberlake my way around the world by holding the wall. That's what I do. Mm. So no comment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I know for me this is I'm I'm a little indifferent when it comes down to it cuz technically I was a wheel watcher. Um I would shut down Wheel of Fortune. Mm-hmm. Like I really I still actually I, I plan on still going on that TV show one day. See, I'm not Jesus a big fan name. of Wheel as much because I feel like there's a lot of luck involved. And you're spinning yeah. that wheel. Course, well, and a I mean, man of your size. That's luck and money, bro. What would you do to that wheel if you tried to spin it? Hey, you know. It might come right off and like kill Vanna. Actually, no, that thing is pretty big. I've seen that wheel, man. We actually uh, went so and watched two you. tapings when I went to L.A. one time with my homegirl Mia. Oh, wow, you are really nerding out. You went to a live taping of Wheel of Fortune. Yes, yes, I did. Hmm. Yeah. What was the demographic like? You know what? <laughs> Judge me, bro. Yeah. Judge me. Anyway, we're going to keep this going because this is supposed to be uplifting. Well, it is uplifting. We're laughing. Yeah. No, you're laughing. Well, you're laughing. I'm at, always laughing. At my, my dreams. Mm-hmm. Thank you so very much <laughs> for that. I just didn't think that you would go to a live taping at Wheel of Fortune. Anyway. Okay. <clears throat> so what happened was, again, for the second or third time, I was so rudely interrupted. Oh, <laughs> the self was wrong with you. Anyway, uh, so again, Drew Gower uh, in Final Jeopardy was way down. Uh, the dude only had uh, a little about $2,000. Everybody else was in the teens or the 20s. Uh, and what had um, what ended up happening was uh, when Final Jeopardy came up, and this is, this is his quote, um, he said, I could have tried to puzzle it together, but really, I just kept thinking about Alex and the prefaces uh, right before the taping of this episode, Alex informed everybody. um, And if you heard about it earlier this year uh, that he had stage four pancreatic cancer and um, he was getting ready to start a second round of chemo treatments. And so he had informed him of that. And so kind of picking up where I left off with what he was saying, he uh, like I said, he just thought about Alex and he thought that he should know. I'm just very grateful. I got the opportunity to say what I know everyone was thinking uh, sending all the love, and so uh, we we go to 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 the uh, to the display, and actually, I think we should probably include a video. Uh, well, not a video, yeah, but like, like a audio soundbite. Yeah, so we'll we'll make sure we do I'll, that so I'll you can hear. Yeah. Uh, it kind of I know it jacked me up. I know it jacked uh, this young man up over it, here. It jacked up Alex. Yeah, I know, I know it jacked up Alex. Yeah, that's kind of one of why I wanted to 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 put it up there. But um, you know, uh, it was just awesome to see. Uh, and I mean, some folks caught on, uh, you hear kind of awe from the crowd. Um, and it didn't stop there on top of that. It was, it was pretty dope immediately after that, um, on Monday night's episode, uh, if you check Twitter and actually if you check it now, you can probably still see it. There's, there's a bunch of hashtag, uh, we love you Alex's that are kind of floating all over the place. And so it started trending. Um, and it was just a really touching story and it was crazy because it cost Drew. 
uh, to the tune of $1,995. Like I said, he only had 2000 And so it's crazy because that's actually the part where Alex chokes up where he tells him that, you know, he only has $5. And I don't think he's choking up just because dude was walking out with $5. I mean, he's no, no. part of the tournament of champions. I'm pretty sure he got tens, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars previously. So I don't think he was worried about the cash well, in the first place. Even though he lost, he was the real winner that night probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, and I mean, ultimately, I think that Alex is the real winner because I mean, he's a stand-up dude, you well, know. Yeah, I mean, Alex has been winning for thirty-five years. Yeah, exactly. He's I'm a, a staple sure. of American homes. Yeah, him and Pat Sajak, bro. Mm -hmm. Sajak's hilarious too. Sajak is wild. Yo, Sajak's a very tiny man. Mm. He has a really, really large head. <laughs> he's got glorious hair. I mean, he does. But you know, the cool part about Sajak is like he's he's still a true life like dude from day one type of thing. Like you know mm -hmm. he. Worked hard, apparently saved up his money. I don't know his whole story, but I know that one of the things he really desired or aspired to do was to get this cool Jaguar from, I think it was like 1984, 5, 6 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Has the same Jaguar, still drives it virtually every day, or yeah. at least last time I checked. Because I'm a real right. watcher. I'm not a real watcher like that anymore. Um, but, you know, the, the dope thing about it was the story that I read, um, they actually interviewed uh, Trebek as well. And it's, it's, it's crazy. And I mean, it's sad in a sense, but... Uh, it's cool to, to hear his outlook on life in the interview. You know, he has a real piece about his situation. And, I mean, it's something I can and can pretty much relate to as well. Um, you know, in, in a quote from an interview, he said, uh, I'll keep doing the show as long as my skills do not diminish. And they've started to diminish. So, I mean, he's, he's not lying to himself yeah. about anything. Um, yeah. But he said, you know, the thought of uh, cancer does not frighten me. I'm not afraid of dying. I've lived a good life, a full life, and I'm nearing the end of that life. I know that. Uh, and I'm not going to delude myself. And, you know, the reason why this, uh, this I guess, means something to me is because of the type of cancer that it is. It's pancreatic. And that's the same type of cancer that uh, took my aunt back in 2014. And if most, you know, if anybody knows anything about that cancer, it's a, it's a cancer that is uh, very undetectable until it's detectable. And by yeah. the time it's detectable, it's technically too late. Yeah. So the fact that he has stage four, um, I'm not trying to be morbid, but, you know, it's not a surprise to me. We were blessed uh, that my aunt actually found, uh, they found the cancer um, in stage two. And, you know, I mean, obviously it still took it, but what it also did was it gave us so much more time yeah. uh, to be able to spend with her and, you know, just really enjoy life. And it was really unfortunate to see her go as early as she went. I think she's 61, 62 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, but. It, it didn't change the fact that, you know, we took advantage of the time that we had. Right. Um, right. And, you know, to I was I was I was in the room uh, when she went on to be with the Lord. And man, when I tell you, it was just like there wasn't a sad time. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, we 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 sat in, his, in the room. We hung out with her. We prayed. We sang songs. Um and you know, as I as I look at that, I don't I don't know if Trebek's doing any of that, but just the fact yeah. that you know he can have a conversation about this and 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 have that kind of piece again. Well, it's just, just his his outlook on it. Yeah, I mean, that's the way anybody would want to go. You know, he's pretty much looking back and going, "I've lived a good full life. I've accomplished the things I want to." You know, and just to say, I'm I'm not scared of death. Um, you know, usually it's people with some sort of a, a faith system that believe that. True. Very I true. You know, I don't know anything about him. Um, I, do I, I know, I know can Canadians are delightful people. <laughs> <laughs> so they are. Eh? They very yeah. are. So if you're listening in Canada, we're big fans of the Except Canucks. I don't completely like your bacon. That's just well, me. Well, that's because it's ham. You're right. 
Yeah. I digress. You're being fooled. You know, but I still like ham though. So technically, I do like their yeah, bacon. So I do. just love regular bacon instead. And I feel like they only call it Canadian bacon if it's on pizza. No. no. I mean, I know that, but like in America, the only time we would consume it is if it's on pizza. No, you know, it's also on the egg McMuffin at McDonald's. Well, that's just weird. Yeah, you're right. They huh. call it Canadian bacon, but it's on the American egg McMuffin. <laughs> wow. <sighs> okay, yeah. No, just love this. Um, and to Drew Gow, first of all, number one, salute, sir, because without you, we don't have this cool story. Um, and we don't have the inspiration uh, to just love life and enjoy it to the fullest. And you know us. Uh, enjoy a full life in Christ because John 10.10 says he came so that we'd have life to the full. Pretty much all we got to say about that. Uh, now, Dev, I know you want to talk about something that happened today, unfortunately. As yeah, a matter of fact. it was just today and... You know, we we text each other kind of throughout the week with different stories and different ideas. And I think even earlier in the week, you said, well, this might be a boring week. Again. And, uh, you know, every, every time we we do that, something something seems to go amiss or awry. Yeah. And I'm just going to uh, keep saying that every week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not if this happens every time. True. Um, I digress. We found out about another uh, school shooting this morning. And, you know, I mean. Uh, there's not a lot to say that hasn't already been said. Um, there's not, <laughs> you know, a lot of different positions to take, but this one was particularly jarring for me because the school it happened at in California, uh, oddly enough, would have actually been the high school that I would have attended. Um, had the high school I ended up attending not opened the year I was a freshman, I was set to go to Saugus high school. So that's a little bit strange. Um, I know, a former youth pastor uh, that I had, um, his wife is a teacher there. I believe uh, one of their sons go there. I know people who live in that neighborhood. Um, I grew up with a bunch of people who went there. Jamie and I were talking earlier today that she has friends whose kids now go there. Mm. Like So it's basically the the strange thing about this is a lot of times these tragedies can seem at at arm's reach you know they they can mm -hmm. be a little bit distant but in reality you know these things can just rock your world kind of out of the blue and it didn't necessarily affect me directly but it is kind of weird to have something like this hit that close yeah to to home yeah no it it absolutely does i mean one of the things that i always uh think about um no matter what the situation is, really, I mean, think about the first one that really got this whole thing started in Sandy Hook uh, is, you know, I don't have any kids, um, but I do have a bunch of guy kids. I got a crap ton of right. nieces and nephews and just, you know, um, kids from, from, from my peers that I love, you know, like they were my own kids in some cases. And I just think about that, like what would happen if, yeah. you know, and that's just that that's heart wrenching enough for me. I don't need to. You know? No, it's a it's a valid fear that we have now, and every time there is a school shooting, it's not to say that it didn't, you know, affect me in a way where I just felt really bad about it and felt empathetic toward the families. Um, but when when you do have kids, you just view things differently. I mean, I I view everything a little differently. Yeah, you know, no, I absolutely. I view I view just everything a little. I view movies differently. I view TV differently. I view you know, it's just everything differently. I mean, you have to. Yeah, it's just, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yes, well, actually, no, I, you don't have to anymore because of Disney Plus. Yes, which, by the way. Oh, no. No, listen, it's it's pretty great. We, okay. we got it uh, because, of course, 
because now my kids can watch that. But I also watched the Jeff Goldblum show. First episode is Jeff Goldblum learning about sneaker culture. Really? It's it's hilarious. I'm going to have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, you're going to have to check that out. He yeah. ends up getting a pair of shoes I mean, I'm not getting Disney Plus right now, but yeah, I'm going to have to check that by out. By the shoe surgeon. What? Yeah. That, yo. that guy's on. He I mean, of him, course, talks he's about Goldblum. Him, and then a... Goldblum gets a pair of kicks made. Wow. Yeah. It's cool. I'm <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I follow that guy on Instagram. I follow this guy on Instagram. Look at That's this. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But wild. I'm sorry. Yeah. So off the rabbit trail for two seconds. Yeah. So I, I definitely can. Um, I, I I definitely can't say that I relate. Uh, as a matter of fact, though, just realizing now that in, in doing that, I forgot to say happy birthday to a really near and dear friend of mine yesterday, uh, my homie Dawn. Um, but the reason why I say that actually is because she was the first time that I actually had the opportunity to real, uh, not realize, but, um, experience up close and personal that type of loss and that type of upsetting mm-hmm. because her father, uh, Dennis Johnson, um, uh, was one of the people who was in the Pentagon, uh, oh, on 9-11 okay, yeah. and yeah. unfortunately I do say was. And so, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I had no words to try and help her navigate through that. No, um, but you know, I I did my best to be the best friend that I could uh, to her. But you know, just and that's you know, that's that, really just, all you can do. I think yeah. I think too often we as friends put too much pressure on ourselves to be an answer, mm-hmm. and you really just you just need to be present. You know, I remember when yep. I lost my brother going through stuff like, you know, people were just when you're present, it just means something. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't need people trying to provide answers. I mean, no. you know the not only this shooting but we had the shooting earlier this year that happened just you know down yeah. at the municipal center around yeah, here yeah, and no. these things are just they're becoming they're becoming too Comment. frequent yeah <laughs> and uh no. you know i don't i don't know what the answer is and i know politically there's a lot of polarizing things out there um but uh, you know we we have to figure out something cuz this is just it's very true. It's well, I mean, I think we figured out a couple of things, but that becomes the very awkward conversation. And I guess we can end on this. It's just like the understanding of what happens when you take God out of the equation, whether that be schools or otherwise. Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm going there. Um, if you're a believer and you don't have uh, Jesus in centrality, then you're probably not at best not living your best life. Uh, but at worst, you are probably subjecting yourself to things that are toxic and can take you out the play. You need to be more mindful of that and corporately um, as Christians, even if they say, no, God isn't allowed in schools. You know what? Pray your prayer. You know, I mean, it's just that that's what it comes down to. And if you got other people who are of like mind and heart with you in there, then pray your prayer with them as well. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I just remember working my old job. I had, uh, I had students that came in my office and I'm sorry, they knew who I was. You know, and by that, I don't just mean uh, Jordan Brown Access College Advisor. Like, they knew. I had students sometimes that I invited and took to church with me, you know, um, because they needed it. I mean, I really kind of birthed a family of, 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 of students in some cases uh, that I'm still really tight with to this day for that reason. And without that, I mean, not to say that some of them would not have been fine, but who knows where they actually would have would have been, you know, not just the fact that they made it to college, but you know, what they actually would have made it out of their neighborhood, their environment, you know, that which was set against them off the jump. People need that stuff, man. And you yeah. just, you can't, you can't be suppressed. And, that, you know, that's the whole thing. This, this, this podcast is about anti-suppressing culture and to at least be able to have the conversation. Not that we condone everything, uh, but we're not going to condemn 
anything either. You have to put everything on the table and have the conversation to see what the Bible says about it. That's just how I feel. Well, I, I hope when you say we need to have God in schools, you don't mean like having the Ten Commandments painted on the walls. Because unfortunately, yes. a, a lot of, a lot that's of exactly Christians think I mean. that that's, you know, removing God from the Pledge of Allegiance, removing the Ten Commandments from the, like, that, I'm sorry, that that's a crutch. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I hope that what you're saying is having people who know God mm-hmm. in schools make a difference. Yeah. Because I think one of the big roots, especially at the school shooting level, is the bullying. Oh, yeah. And the injustice that's going on. For these kids who are helpless. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then who knows what their home life is like. And, you know, as Christians, we're called to be the light for those people. So, yes, I think God needs to be in the schools, not from a politically mandated standpoint. No, right. But from a God's people need to be shining a light in the schools. Yeah. Is what needs to be happening. And so when we say that it has nothing to do with how you vote or what your ideology is what it has to do with is how you live your life and how you mm-hmm. affect and impact people um absolutely you know, yeah, you and, know and, and you you've got to you've got to walk that path yeah. i mean i know you're active in that stuff um i've volunteered for manpower in the past <laughs> which is basically going in and trying to mentor uh young men in junior high who may not otherwise have that um you know if if you want to see change in the world you need to be that change right 100 percent. and listen i'm I'm not knocking the need for security as well oh right yeah because that's uh, that is the world that we live in as a parent i'm not gonna have any problem if there's metal detectors exactly we know that's what they were saying too the statistics show not just about metal detectors but having actually like security because yeah um, in certain environments they know that a lot of these individuals who desire to you know inflict this kind of damage in the way that they do um if they see someone there who is ready yeah. and skilled to defend, then more often than not, they're actually not going to attack. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, so, that's that's you like, know. you know, people who want to steal a car and they see the club on the car. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, so not like, it's not like, bro. I know, <laughs> I know, but it's, it's oh, not man. like they can't just free on the lock and pop it off. Yeah, but no. they know, well, why do I need to waste an extra 15 seconds to steal that car when the car next to it? I can yeah, just steal. Very true. Absolutely. So no. Absolutely. I mean, I just, I just, I liken it to wisdom, faith, and wisdom, because I know somebody's out there saying, you know, that's it's hypocritical. You're gonna talk about prayer, but then you have security. No. I mean, I'm sorry. Faith no, without uh, works yeah. is dead. That's, so my faith not. is in God, but the works are somebody who loves your children well enough to want to protect them by any means necessary. <laughs> I mean, the thing that drives me crazy is thoughts and prayers. Like th- thoughts and prayers is not gonna stop no, anything. Positive security. vibes, bro. Security. <laughs> positive <laughs> well, vibes. Yeah. My I guess if you're spiritual as yeah. opposed to sending Christian. positive vibes, yo. Somebody yeah. sends me positive vibes. I'm gonna hit them right back with a bat. Okay, I'm not. That's a but, negative. That's well, that's what a I negative feel vibe, like, dude. Though. I know. <laughs> that's that's kind of the point. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we're on Fight this too much. We need to we negativity. need to keep it moving. Bottom line yeah. is, yeah, our our our, our heart um, out to and our prayers definitely out to those folks over there in California. Yeah. Um, and just believing for God to intercede and give you guys peace and a comfort, uh, because we know that's necessary right now for sure. Now let's move on to some other stuff that is. Yeah, I think I, I hinted at it last week. I made a you little did. a little comment, and you, did. you said that's for another podcast. Uh, well, yeah. this is that podcast. 
Well, um, welcome to mildly catastrophic <laughs> gone absolutely wrong. In uh, fact, this is one of those things where you said this is going to be a boring week, and then that story I think came up that day about uh, probably is it John John Christ? Yeah, good the, old John uh, Christ. comedian. Uh, the, yeah, the, the Christian comedian, the Christian comedian um, who yes. <clears throat> he himself admitted to uh, a slew of things, unfortunately, that involved um, uh, misbehaving, malpractice, and all of them uh, of sexual orientation. Oh, yeah, sleeping with married women. I'm just going to go ahead and go with the uh, the <sighs> icing on the cake. That was the big one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, harassment is 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 bad. Assault is. Bad, oh yeah, that's but, bad. But yeah, I don't know <laughs> that one. I mean, that's one of the commandments. Shoot, I mean, the whole thing. You know, yeah, you know, not so not. That one's pretty. It's a pretty big one for someone who's making money off of <laughs> right. Christians laughing at his jokes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the crazy thing was, I didn't know about John Chris that much. I just, I hadn't seen much of his stuff. Um, yeah. He's really a Christian comedian that I, I really, really like. I love Kev on stage. That man's wild. Uh, he's funny. Um, and there are a few others, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's, they're not that which I admittedly look at that often. Um, <laughs> no, which I, it's, it's unfortunate. It's not fair. No, I mean, because some of them are, are flipping funny. Oh, I'm sure they're funny. You know, especially the ones that, you know, everybody who has their, their social media presence, Ty Bernackle and um, I think her name is Amanda something or other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I follow them and I watch their stuff and it's funny, you know, so I don't go see them live or anything, but I know mm-hmm. that they are really really good at their craft so you know I, I definitely always pray because they have more influence than than the average they may not be a pastor uh but in a sense there's there's still a christian leader so right which, having is, to have which this actually conversation. apparently caused an issue that discussion directly yeah. itself in well, uh in your class say, that no, you're we'll, teaching we'll right? talk about that okay. in just uh, an unfortunate second um but yeah so uh there was an article that that uh appeared in christianity today uh, and I just wanted to read through part of it. And I don't know, this this potentially could go in, in a multitude of directions for me uh, for a variety of reasons. There were some certain parts of, of the article that I read and I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And then those other parts, I was just looking to scratch my head like, mm, yeah, chill out, my guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll start with one of those chill out se- sessions or, or sections. Um, and it was actually pretty much around the very beginning. It was like to start. I'm glad. Uh, that we are beginning to take seriously the stories of those uh, who have been wounded and abused at the hands of those who claim to follow Christ. And that's my first pause, because this is something that we need to understand from a biblical perspective. I um I put out a post, I think it was last week or, or maybe around this week, uh, the beginning of this week, uh, basically talking about or encouraging because I was feeling it myself. And so I figured I'd put the encouragement out there. Um, individuals who are, you know, struggling in, in, in your faith and not necessarily in the faith from the, from the standpoint of, you know, whether or not you believe in God. I believe in God. That That's not going to change. Um, however, you know, there's those days where you just feel, quote unquote, imperfect and are in absolute need of his grace. And, you know, I just I, I reminded folks, you know, that uh, what is it? Abraham is a. Uh, is our first ever episode of Baby Mama Drama. You know, David was again Netflix, Netflix and Kill and Chill. Uh, um, you know, Peter was 100% two faced, uh, literally. Uh, Paul, do we need to get started on that? Uh, three of the five of of the women in Jesus's lineage in the Book of Matthew were were promiscuous and or a prostitute. Uh, so you know, God is able to use in anybody, and and just about everybody can have significance. So don't get down on yourself when you are not perfect and you don't do perfect things. Now, 
Yeah, that there's, being a, there's said, a big reason exactly why the Bible constantly illustrates yeah, imperfect, imperfect people, people so that we realize that we're imperfect, but yeah, that, exactly. that doesn't mean that we can't still try to fulfill as much of his will for our lives as we oh, can. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm not dismissing that, no, but no, I am no. trying to say, you know, so, um, but the, the point of view that they bring up where they say somebody claims to follow Christ, I'm sorry. I'm sure that there are people <laughs> out there who claim to follow Christ, right. but are a mass murderer or mm-hmm. are a, I don't mean, I just like, you know, they, they are an, an infidel. You well, know, and we um, don't even necessarily need to label what it is other than just sinner. Yeah. It, bottom line. Yeah. Right. And, and that's my whole thing. Yeah. So what you're basically telling me is if you're a sinner, then there's no way that you can actually be a follower of Christ. You claim to, but because of your sin, there's no way that you can be a follower of Christ. And right. that is the thing that set me off the second that I saw that. Those four words were all I needed to see to almost shut me off. I had to gather myself mm-hmm. again to continue reading it just to make sure that I had the context straight. And they move on, and they don't say anything about that. They're not trying to correct or explain or anything like that. It just right. says, my friends are telling me that this was known a while ago about John Chris. It's not women who were damaged by this behavior, or it's not that women who were damaged by this behavior have been hiding somewhere, sweeping this under the rug. They were speaking up, but very few people were listening. So, you know, that's tugging at my heartstrings. Yeah. And I'm not going to dismiss that, but yo. Well, and, you know, just painting it that way, to me, what upsets me, and I, I usually get upset when there's hypocrisy in the church, um, is that this is just giving fuel to the the non-believers who already say, well, how can this guy be a follower of Christ if this is what right. he's doing? And it's like the moment a Christian says the same thing, you're just empowering a, a, a narrative that's just simply false about what being a follower of Christ actually is. Yeah. So why why are you doing that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the whole, it, it's the understanding of Peter. Peter was the worst because there is no sin greater than the other. Except right, for one, which right, is right. denouncing Christ. Right. But you know what the funny thing is? I think that the narrative of Peter, especially right before the crucifixion, shows us that even those who denounce Christ have the opportunity mm-hmm. for redemption. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if not, I'm sorry, Peter, as far as I'm concerned, could have, should have, would have been in hell. And yet he ended up being the rock that the church is built on. Yeah. The one responsible for the primary message. Yes. And leading the original set of people to Christ. Yeah. For the so, birth so of the church. So pretty sure that he was forgiven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that he didn't get up to heaven and was like, yo, Peter, good job. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also pretty sure it wasn't like if he said a fourth time. No, no, no. I don't know that guy. I, I don't yeah. think there's like a limit. It's I could do my guy. 70 times seven, right? You, you yeah, can, something like yeah, that. He could have just kept denying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, that, and, that, and that's my, I don't know, man. I just, when I look at that, it just, it's so disheartening. Because somebody's reading that and they're going to internalize that Mm -hmm. and they're not going to take the time. You know, this is me being a hermeneutics professor again. Mm -hmm. They're not going to take the time to really break that down to get an understanding. They're going to take it at face value and they're going to be like, oh, well, what about me? Right. And then they're going to decide that they're not worthy of being a believer and that's not acceptable. Well, it's a it's a bad thing to be putting out there in front of Christians because you can. Now you're giving them just bad doctrine. And it's also a bad thing to give people who aren't Christians because, like I said, you're just kind of adding to the belief that they might already have. Like, oh, look, see, all these Christians are this way. 
You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, come on, you're not doing anybody a service. Exactly. There. So, I don't know. So it it just it continues on, and it kind of continues down that same path, really. Um, let me try and pick it up. Yeah, right here where it says, in this way, as painful as it is, I'm glad that our sins in darkness are being brought to the light. Yes, I'm sorry. The world is seeing our dirty laundry. I want I got something to say about that, too, but I'm going to leave it for now. Uh, I'm sorry that, that this may strengthen negative views of the church for many. You know, and so when I'm looking at that, it's just like it kind of goes back to what I was just saying, but now maybe more so on a corporate level, I feel like this is the stuff that's necessary. Um, and you know, if I catch backlash, whatever, but you know, there's a stigma and specifically a stigma in Western culture, because if you're having this conversation in Eastern culture, it's not going to sound anything like this. And I, we, we, we do not have time to break that down. Um, but in Western culture, it's just like, there's an expectation of the perfection of Christ on a leader. Right. Period the end. And the minute that you realize they're not perfect, then you shun them as if you were God yourself. Or what we also see is you completely protect and justify their behavior. Yeah. Because there's plenty of that too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, it's funny because you, you will see that. Yeah. You'll see that in churches. You will see that um I mean from Christians in in the marketplace settings as well. I mean, it's 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 wild to me to even think that this is a thing but also this is my my big picture issue with with the way that this is 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 phrased and the rhetoric and everything else um dirty laundry is is dirty laundry for a reason right it's something that's designed to get clean mm-hmm. and, and you're only going to get dirty laundry if you actually go outside and do things yeah and get around dirtiness yeah which I'm pretty know. sure Jesus had to do a lot of laundry. Yeah. Considering the people he was hanging out with. Like it's a nuance to me that just takes it in a completely different direction because for me, I think that that's the stuff that needs to be seen and understood. The problem with the stigma that's being created is that without the visibility, there's an assumption that it simply doesn't exist. So the moment that you see it right. and all of a sudden it exists. It's something that needs to be dealt with and eradicated to to bring you back to the setting of your quote unquote perfect world. Yeah, don't air their dirty laundry because then people will know they have dirty laundry. Yeah, like, uh, well, yeah. So everybody I mean, you know has what? dirty laundry. Like that's just stupid. Strengthen. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, talking about strengthening negative views on the church. Well, I got when Paul starts writing to churches, this is one of the favorite things that I, that I do in just about any of my classes. Mm -hmm. We start having a conversation about context. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, not in chronological order, but in canonical order, which is the order in which the, the Bible is presented to us. Right. Paul writes to what, what are the first churches? Romans, mm -hmm. Corinth, mm -hmm. you know, so Romans, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, y'all stuff. Yep. Yeah, them first two though, we can park right there. Because you get in, you don't get past the first chapter of the book of Romans before we start talking about a whole bunch of stuff. You know, that's one <laughs> yeah. of the first home like that's the, the one of the homosexual conversations mm -hmm. and just you know, everything else that you can include in that. You gotta remember that when Paul was writing that, who's he writing it to? Mm-hmm. It's not writing it to non-believers. No. He's writing it to churches. Right. And saying, listen, guys, you're, 
you're getting it wrong. Yeah. Let me tell you how to get it right. Because I know we're new at this. Exactly. We've only been around for a little, for a minute. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's the whole point. So we're talking about the progression yeah. of the church and meeting it exactly where it was at. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to have a big picture conversation about mm-hmm. that? We can take that even further back and talk about how God met the Israelites where they were at. And that's the reason why he allowed all the bloodshed and the wars and this, that, and the other. Right. Yeah. But, you know, if we're looking at that, we're looking at First and Second Corinthians or even First Corinthians specifically where, um, like I teach my New Testament classes, there are two words that perfectly describe the state of the culture in First Corinthians. And they are this, prostitution flourished. Boom. That's all you have to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's so if we're going to have a conversation about them in context mm-hmm. in those churches, the book that we read that we get all this quote unquote perfection from, it would behoove you just a little bit to understand exactly what was represented in that perfection. Right. Because if you did, then maybe you would like at least hold a slightly different uh, synapsis, a slightly different snapshot of the representation of the church today. Because mm-hmm. if you're expecting perfection from it, you are sadly mistaken. Well, and we've, we've had 2,000 years to study these multiple letters, and we're still getting it wrong. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, exactly. You know. so, so, uh, so so to say, let's not air dirty laundry. Like, I'm sorry, it's there. Yeah. It's, it's always going to be there. It's, and, it's biblical. And it should be aired. Because that was one of the things that the guy brought up, right? Yeah, it's biblical, 100%. And that's the thing. We're supposed to pray for him. I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about John Chris right now. Okay, bad boy. Um, and I'm not downplaying his stuff. There needs no, to be justice in his situation. Not at all. But, but, but you always the get the time, talking heads now. Yeah, exactly. But the, And also, this, this is my thing. In progression, just like in the book of Romans, we need to understand that there is grace and that people need to have grace for any and everybody, no matter what. Now, of course, yeah, no, that doesn't mean that there should not be discipline. There should not be punishment. But you do not condemn somebody, period. There's nothing else I got to say about that. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to say it this way. John John Christ, this follower of Christ, has some really horrible habits that need correcting. And this is the grace of his situation. It's not, grace is not just getting off scot-free. I'm sorry. For anybody who ever thought that, let's have a conversation one day. That is not the truth. No, grace is actually understanding what you are getting away with and yet still being loved. Yeah, this is very, very true. Like, Like to me, that's what grace is. When you understand what it is that Christ has done for you, mm-hmm. it completely shifts how you might view your behavior going forward. Mm-hmm. Once you've been forgiven, like one, like even in any relationship, like a spouse, a parent, when they forgive you, it ultimately builds a relationship in a stronger way and makes you no longer take those things for granted or at least that's what grace is supposed to do um i'll 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 spot you that i will i'll say i'm gonna take it in a different direction but i'll spot you that Mm -hmm. i feel that grace is the baseline uh as a matter of fact i had this conversation with my students last week uh we were having we were talking uh you know i don't remember what we were talking about doesn't matter uh but i was talking about grace and how grace and mercy are the two things that you really don't want from god uh but you're really glad that they're there 
you know, if you like to have anything, right. you'd love to have this <laughs> right. favor. You, you don't want it because you only get it if you're imperfect. But yeah, exactly. But we already know we're imperfect. So the fact that we get it, no, we don't. We don't know because if not, we wouldn't be having this conversation about the stuff with John Christ and the fact that you were looking down on him so harshly when who knows what you're doing, right? You know, what I'm saying? and, it's so and funny he, because he's not meaning me, isn't me. Yeah, I know. It's just, I'm looking dead at him, though. <laughs> He's looking um, right at me. But what you know, did I do? Yeah, no. But I mean, the reason why I say that is, is because, um, who's a really good example? Got it. So you remember back in the '80s, Jim Baker, Jim and Tammy Faye, mm-hmm. televangelism all over the place, and maybe a co-cabinet or two, I and tried some to forget, promiscuity. But yeah, yeah. Well, uh, John Bevere, uh, speaker, pastor. Uh, and someone I, I suppose who looked up to and maybe emulated Jim Baker at a time mm-hmm. um, went to go visit him when he was in prison one day and was having a conversation with him and basically just you know he was like you know Jim like so tell me what it's like in here and as they progressed in conversation he was like so how do you feel about this you know this punishment that you're receiving and, and this that and the other and Jim looks at him and he says this isn't my punishment this is God's grace because I should have been much worse off Mm. and really should have been dead. And when he said that, like he pretty much knocked John Bevere back a few pegs. Um, And John was like, he was, he was, you know, he was stunned that that was actually his answer. But I mean, when I listen to it, I mean, that makes absolute perfect sense. No, because grace should provide you with a perspective of what you have now. Yeah. Even though you deserve worse. 100%. Yeah, grace is getting stuff you don't deserve. Yeah. Mercy is not getting stuff you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I mean, look in the Bible and, and check for context because those are, like I said, they're the two yeah. things you don't want, but you're really glad that you get. Yeah. You would prefer favor. You would prefer goodness and you yes. would prefer to see God's glory. But when it comes down to it, that's why <laughs> Hebrews, yeah, exactly. But those other things don't even come without the first two. Bro, exactly. But you know, yeah. Hebrews 14, 33, let us go boldly before the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So the, the understanding you get from that is that mercy is a preset. Mm-hmm. When Jesus died on the cross, that mercy was put in place because he knew every single day you were going to do something dumb, no matter how hard you tried. Um, and do try hard, by the way, people. Thank you. Um, but, you know, that mercy was ge- going to be in place to ensure that you simply didn't die because you sinned. Now, grace, on the other hand, is a little bit different. Grace is there for us. But in order to get that grace, you have to continue to pursue God with everything you have. Right. And that's that's the thing like i feel like when we sit here and we polarize other people and their faults and their mistakes and and everything that they're doing we're not working on us enough to be following god and so that grace model almost goes out the window in your life yeah well that, and, and and one of the other things when we we're talking about you know christians view grace a certain way and the world views grace a different way when i was in my theology class one of the the most interesting theological doctrines that came up was common grace and it wasn't something I ever really thought about because I always thought like grace was kind of a thing for Christians. But common grace is just the fact that, you know, God's not just wiping us all off the face of the earth. <laughs> that, that God's actually making everybody yeah. with special talents and special uniquenesses and people who may not believe in him or follow him can still be successful and can still have talents and can still have things that happen. Like just the fact that we even exist is mm-hmm. the common grace. That's for everybody. Yeah, it is. Like that's just... Nobody has to to pay for that, and so sometimes us as as Christians, we don't understand that level 
either. And it's like, we all have grace. You have grace. Everybody has it. Um, that was just an interesting thing to me. And then you have, of course, the, the divine grace or the saving grace, which is a different thing. Prevenient yeah. grace. Yes. Um, yes. But I just thought that that gave me a lot of insight toward how I should look at my fellow man. Because sometimes it's hard to be like, you know, God, I'm out here. I go to church every Sunday. I've been tithing, you know, but still just my prayers aren't being answered. But that guy over there. He's doing this, that, and the other thing, and he still gets this, that, and the other thing. Struggle is real, bro. You know, that's a, a weird thing. But when you understand, like, hey, we, we all have a certain level of grace by just existing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So you said that, that based on this, you're, you were out of your class that particular day. Mm-hmm. And you, in your text, you told me it almost started World War III, mm. um, which was surprising because how many people are in your class uh roughly 36 37 38 okay something like that you need a lot more people than 38 people to start a war but yeah so not in this case yeah okay no yeah so what did they have the biggest problem with well um from from the article not necessarily chris situation but yeah no from the article and i mean everything was was birthed out of the article when it comes when it came down to it I have not finished having conversations with all sides. Yeah. <clears throat> so I will tell you what I have so far. Um, basically, the representation was um, a lot of the folks uh, had gathered a press position through the conversation um, that the approach for Christian leaders, as many of them aspire to be, okay, is basically graceless. Uh, so I think we were <laughs> talking about it before. Right. Um, you know, if you get a speeding ticket, you are automatically going to hell was basically <laughs> how that conversation went. And so many of the students found themselves kind of in a, in a lockjaw mode, um, no matter what the lockjaw was. Either lockjaw, like their jaw was dropped and they just couldn't pick it back up because they were in such shock, or lockjaws <laughs> and they were ready to attack. And if they bit down, they weren't letting go. Um, and I'm going I'm to follow up. I'm going to have a conversation with them next week. But it was just, it was amazing to me the amount of shock that a lot of the students were in. I just, I didn't know what to make of it. And I still don't know because I still don't have the entire story. <laughs> well, uh, and, they, and they got that because in this article that we've read, mm-hmm. it in particular brings up uh, the verse, First uh, Timothy 5.20, which says, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the process of all so that the rest may stand in fear. And that's particularly talking about elders in the church, leaders in the church, pastors in the church. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where that kind of came in and what's interesting. So, of course, whenever we give each other anything, we always tend to deep dive because that's just the nature of what we both do. Yeah, bro. Um, So whenever you're reading scripture, always read a little bit before just the one verse to give at least a little bit of context. Oh, man. One verse. One verse and go with it. Go with it, baby. (laughs) Um, so what was interesting to me is I saw, uh, verse 17, looking at it, it talked about, um, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So right away you look at double honor and I think, okay, with double honor comes double responsibility. So this isn't saying that it's graceless, but what it is saying is that, is that you are going to have a little bit more of a spotlight on you Mm -hmm. and yeah, you need to mind your P's and Q's a little bit more 
than just average churchgoer. Yeah. Because you are now the face of the bride of Christ. That's good. Okay. And then reading a little bit into this uh, a little bit further. So that verse 20 was kind of interesting to me because I, I read the one um, ESV version and it said, those who uh, persist in sin, you must rebuke them in the presence of God and Jesus and elected angels. Well, what's interesting about that is when you're rebuking something, rebuke stands for sharp disapproval and criticism. Okay? The NIV says reprove, which means reprimand. Reprimand means to correct gently. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, because I see the word rebuke and I'm like, wow, that's... um. That's a strong word. And then I read the word reprove and I'm like, I don't even know what that word is. So let me look that <laughs> word up. And it's like correct gently. Yeah. And so earlier when you said we either just totally, you know, massacre our leaders mm-hmm. or sometimes we push things aside and kind of like talk things down to justify. Mm-hmm. Well, it talks very, very <laughs> closely about that in the next verse in, in 21 where it says um, remove all partiality or remove all favoritism. And what's interesting to me about that is that's where it talks about uh, basically in the presence of God, Jesus, and elected angels, you need to be judging these people, meaning that you have to do everything that is right in the eyes of God, not everything that's right in the eyes of man. Oh, yeah. So your favoritism for these people, no matter how much this pastor's done for you, no matter how much this leader's done for you, when they're doing wrong, they need to be corrected. Yeah. And they need to be corrected in front of other people. And what's interesting here is it says they stand in fear. So I, you know, they want people seeing this to stand in fear. Well, that's a little bit about the congregation, but it's specifically about leaders because yeah. it's saying that... Did you look up that word fear, though? Well, it, it, what it's saying is that I think one said fear and one said something else. Um, but basically what it's saying is they, they want other leaders to realize that there is going to be accountability yeah. for their bad choices. Yeah. Um, so... To me, I'm looking at that and like it's a it's a learning experience. And we've talked about bad examples being yeah as helpful as good examples. But it's a learning experience when these things come to the light, and it's a healing experience and a healing process mm-hmm. that needs to go on. And you know, a lot of times us as Christians, we don't get either one of those things right. Nah, <laughs> we really we really don't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there ain't too much fuel I need to add to that fire for real, except. Um, just this, you know, uh, I think that, again, this is probably just a Western culture thing, which is going to make me very unpopular, but I love you anyway. Um, we are those who work on the internalized method of salvation and deliverance. Um, and the thing about that is that is completely subjected to the potentials of moral relativism. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but just your moral relativism. Right. So this includes leaders. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying this. Um, if you're working hard, but you slip up, you're okay. But the more you continue to gradually do, as a matter of fact, that was the one thing that I did kind of appreciate about this article. Oh, we talked um, about the C.S. Lewis today. Yeah, the C.S. Yeah, the C.S. Lewis joint. Yeah. Um, you know, it talks about... Uh, same thing, like you said, First Timothy five twenty. But then the C.S. Lewis in his satire, uh, the Screw Tape Letters, 
and Derek Holtz is going to appreciate this. Um, <laughs> so shouts to you, sir. I love you. Uh, but it says, it does not matter how small the sins are, provided their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I feel the like... slow boiling of the frog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, that's that's one of those things that it, it's... It almost it, it makes me, you know, laugh. But then you have to sit there and think about it. Like, how do most of us get to where we get? It's not like yeah. it happens overnight. It's not well, a and a lot of people think that, you know, I need mentorship to become a leader. Mm-hmm. But once I am a leader, now I'm a mentor. Exactly. And it's like, well, no. No. No, that never you're ends. Still, yeah, you're still a mentor. That never ends. You, you still have to seek counsel. You still have to seek accountability from from your your friends from your family from whoever it may be you still have to be trying to grow and i mean we can see this as a direct example what happens when the powerful people in the church do not check themselves yeah and we can look at that directly with what's gone on with the catholic church over the last 50 plus years there's just constant favoritism and protecting because all of the men at the top have just decided like meh we're not going to be accountable to these terrible things. We'll just kind of hide things because it, it just means terrible things for the church if it comes out. N- the the, the cover-up is always worse. <laughs> oh, 100. Because and, and how many lives would have been saved from those atrocities had the church actually said, hey, this is what we've found. This is what we've... How much credibility do you gain from the world if you expose those things on your own? Like... I mean, we talk about these moral things and and that Christ calls us to do certain things. How much credibility would we gain by coming out and just acknowledging these wrongs? Yeah, nods head and respect, bro. Um, 100%. And, you know, I think that really that's that's what that is. And what I was actually getting ready to tie to it was just the understanding that in our culture, um, we don't desire to subject ourselves to the uncomfortable. No matter what that no, is. No, no. You don't and want, uh, for Game of Thrones fans out there, you don't want to be getting shame yelled at you and having <laughs> vegetables thrown out. at you and whatnot. Yeah. Chill out. Shame. Man, shame. You don't want that. That also ended very poorly for that woman. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them. Uh, but, everyone uh, involved, to be honest. Very true. Very, very true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, accountability is, is very uncomfortable. Uh, and it's funny because I, I think I remember who was a Chris Darso did a little... Uh, snippet of a sermonette one time um, talking about Paul and Timothy and the time that Paul took Timothy to get circumcised. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a very how do I put personal? it? Intimate, personal. personal. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And But he, he uh, his <laughs> application was... Jordan, was, can you come with me next week? <laughs> yeah, nah, we're good. Uh, <laughs> not like the, at all. Be like T.I. going to the doctor. We will that's not have thing. that conversation. Okay, no, that's fine. not at all. No, no. I, I have two friends that are doctors. I asked them the questions. They were just no. I still had to make a joke. No, 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 no. You can look that no, up no. on your own. No, 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 no. No, we won't. <laughs> Stay on topic. Sorry. Good God, the mighty. Uh, yes. Um, God, you made me almost forget what I was about to say. Uh, but yeah, no. I have so, a neck. It, matter of fact, dang it, I did. Yeah. You sucker. I'm sorry. Uh, you were talking about Timothy 
and oh, yeah, Paul. That's right. So yeah, uh, going to Derso, get so. Um, thank you, sir. I really appreciate. Operated it. If you're going to be a jerk about it. At least you brought me back. I appreciate you yeah. for that. Well, I always remember a good circumcision story. <laughs> so please continue. Can I say cut? No, we're gonna keep it going. Uh, cool. Not right. in this case. Yeah, yeah, we're talking right. about cutting. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I do have a message that I have that deals directly with circumcision. Oh, okay. And it's called "How to Be a Cut Above the Rest." <laughs> just a cut above. Yeah, just a cut above, baby. But anyway, so um, yeah, the application that he he put on his uh, little sermon that was spot on, though, it's just like you know, how many people are you letting come into those private places? Uh, to cut off the fleshy areas of your life. And yeah. just the other way that he put it, I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Um, and you're right. And I think that John Christ, unfortunately, is probably a very good example of that because who was his, I mean, I mean, I don't know, again, because I didn't follow him like that, but it just seems like the setup uh, for him was, was, was not one that was even at best parachurch. Like, I don't even know if he went to right. a church. And if he did, they're not having that conversation in this article, which is really upsetting. Well, and you um, mentioned that, you know, there were people who were talking about this. There were rumblings about it for who knows how long. I just, maybe I just don't sleep well at night with a bad conscience. But if somebody comes to me with that type of thing and I'm a Christian leader, like, ah, there's a responsibility to look into this. Yeah. There's a responsibility for me to start asking some questions and yeah. figuring out what's what. Yeah. And th- this is again where the favoritism I don't know comes in. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, there is actually one more. Th- good God, I got so much out of this gosh forsaken article. Uh, one more uh, part of the conversation um, that I did want to draw out uh, from this uh, this here article, mm-hmm. uh, and it was the the part that was subtitled. It didn't even have to go that far. The seven letter word we all hate. Failure. Oh, which I immediately the I I replied disagree. Um. So yeah, let me let me read the part that that was just making me want to stab. Uh. (laughs) Now, this situation appears to be more concerning, uh, than than what we often refer to as or yeah, concerning what we would often refer to as moral failure. Um, but the abuse of power and manipulation are issues that fall in a long pattern of Christians doing bad things, of Christians failing. And frankly, it's too easy to think of ourselves as immune from failure. Now, I don't know, just if I'm looking at the word failure and I'm thinking about, again, Western civilization. God, I just sound like I need to live in the East or something right now. But seriously, I don't care. I mean, out here out West, all we do is win, 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 no matter what. I mean, right now, because the Lakers are nine and two. But Mm, glory be. Yeah. And they look good doing it. Oh, they look good. But that's not the conversation right now. Well, the issue that I have, and I've had this since, you know, I I had my battles in in, in grad school um, where. If I can be full frontal to everybody, you know, I failed three good classes. You know, I still rock my 3.41. Glory to God. But um, that failure was not the end of me. No. And, you know, I mean, different context for for John Christ. But nonetheless, if you are in Christ, failure is not the end of you. There's a big difference in your wording between words like failure and defeat. 
Jordan, you've worked out a little bit in your life. Yeah. How do you get stronger? Push your muscles muscles to failure so that they can heal and get stronger? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Failure is not a bad thing. And HGH. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, if you got the money for it. But no, you're absolutely right. Failure, I mean, every every single great athlete, great entertainer, great success story, whatever it may be, they talk about the failures, and the failures are hard because the failures happen in the dark. They happen alone, mm-hmm. and you know everybody sees the successes, but not the failures. Yeah, exactly. But every single person who's accomplished anything has failed and probably failed multiple times. They've certain everyone's probably failed more often than they've not, except yeah. for I guess what Tom Brady. No, no, he he did a whole he did but, all his failing. But you also mentioned the HGH, so which we That's know true. he didn't have in the combine no, it's picture. Not. It's the purple carrots, bro. It's purple, purple carrots. carrots. What's in the purple? Aren't those carrots? just like beets? <laughs> I think that's his HGH. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Before we get in trouble, because he hears that and he sends his kid. Yes, that, Tom, if you're listening. <laughs> nah, stop, chill out, man. <laughs> this please, is gonna go. Please share. All down the road. <laughs> we might get more nah, listeners. Nah, nah, man. Okay. Oh God. But yeah, I mean, so for me to sit up here and look at exactly how they're phrasing this, I mean, I get the part in the end. Frankly, it's too easy to think of ourselves as immune from failure. Okay, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the conversation, it, in my opinion, is completely out of whack. Because again, let's go back to this Bible and let's look at all these people that failed. And not only that, a lot of them failed in a manner that would be parallel to this John Chris cat right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and failed. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Ep- epically beyond that too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if, if we're having a real conversation about this, we need to take a very in-depth look at this one simple deal. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was for all. And not only was it for all, but it was for everything that all was ever going to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happens is we tend to arrest ourselves into this state of divisiveness in our own minds and in our own hearts, giving the proper assumption, unfortunately, that when we know we're not ever going to be perfect, we are automatically going to limit ourselves from seeking to quote unquote live our best life. And the problem with that is no matter what you say, no matter how you feel about it, it's going to produce a crab or a crabs in a pot mentality because mm-hmm. you're not going to want to see anybody else above you. And so you are going to do your best to try and pull them down by any means. And no, maybe it might not be direct. It could be very indirect. But an article like this is showing me that an individual, I mean, Lord forgive, I don't know this person from Adam. I really don't. Right. But this is showing me that this person has some type of presupposition, some type of bias within them that lets me know that the minute that somebody fails, you're going to try and, I mean, ever so gently tie a noose around their neck and drag them down the street. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a gentle way to do that. <laughs> you pick up my yeah. on my language. Yeah. So so you understand that for me, I don't know, I'm sorry, like I'm again, I will make this loud and clear. 
justice is necessary. But you know, that's also why we have things like restorative justice. And yet maybe if he didn't let this snowball, this wouldn't be this big of a conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe if he raised his hand and asked for help, Mm -hmm. maybe if he sought out accountability. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if people were there to help him. We don't, I mean, we don't know his circumstances. What we do know is most people who seem to struggle with stuff like this have large portions of their life where they're isolated. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the people who fail at stuff like this, the people who may end up taking a gun to school, you know, to bring everything full circle, there's usually isolation and it's isolation from your fellow man. It's isolation from your family. It's isolation from God, whatever it may be. And so these are just the times when we need to look to as, as just fellow humans, just be, be in touch with people that you care about, be there for them. You know, yeah, and it's because a thing called relationship, yeah, yeah. Got it. and yeah. and the failures, I mean, how many pictures do you do you take before you post the one on Instagram? The problem is, is that <laughs> what happens <laughs> is no one wants to share their failures. No one wants to share the bad picture. Everything that we show the world is photoshopped. Everything, mm. and so to pretend, so to pretend like we didn't have. You know the raw picture right. that got photo is just ignorant. No, it is. It's flat out <laughs> ignorant. But yeah. again, that is the climate of the culture. Mm-hmm. That is, it is paradigmatic. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, the way that whole thing is set up. And you know what? My prayer is that maybe more of us will start to be just a little more real. You know, um, the scan in is a place where uh, we are seeing individuals that don't have a problem saying, Hey, look, listen, I'm struggling with this. Maybe I'll start posting pictures of the first take on the scan. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll post that too. Yeah. It'd be a good idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I know we probably need to put a little bit of a bow on this one because it became the conversation, Yeah, uh, which is perfectly fine. Uh, because I feel like it, it, it needs to be discussed. It really does. It does. Um, the, the culture that the Christian culture that we created again, you know, we're not talking about it today, but that's the same reason why Kanye said what he said on a song. Yeah. You know, um, they'd be the first one to judge me. Mm-hmm. Maybe feel like nobody loved me. First John says that they will know, or they will know we are Christians by our love. Mm-hmm. What the freak when a Christian, <laughs> I mean, Christian, you know, new or otherwise, yeah. makes a statement like that, you might need to do some looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Mm-hmm. And your dad might say, it ain't Christ. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it could happen. So sad. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Hopefully my dad does tell me when I'm not being Christ-like. This is true. Because that's where failure gets corrected. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. You know. Yeah. 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 So. See? See? Lord you God. lost the bet. You lost the bet. I didn't mention Kanye first. You did. Uh, you're right. <laughs> but I mean, it was a valid point, though. So oh, it wasn't oh, just were you say saying Kanye. the times I bring up Kanye, it's not valid? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I don't neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> anyway, look, man, talk about the little blue furry creature, dog. Good mm, grief. Yeah. All right. So real quick, movie minute. <laughs> movie minute. I almost forgot about the furry creature. So... This uh, this Bro. this this isn't a normal movie minute. This is more just a trailer movie minute because I was so surprised. Anybody who was following the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, um, 
if you were paying attention, there was a trailer that dropped like six months ago or so, and Sonic was utterly terrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> the CGI of Sonic was terrifying. I thought it was maybe a horror movie. I'm like, is this thing being released like middle of October? There was so much backlash that they spent countless hours of time and basically redid the entire CGI of the movie to make Sonic look way better. And now Sonic does look way better than he looked before. Um, I just thought it was funny because I'm looking at this going, Jordan, how many times have we seen this where like this outcry actually will make somebody completely just turn the boat around (laughs) start over and uh, you know, we we try to relate a lot of these things to the church. Yeah. And it doesn't it ain't gonna happen this time. No, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna find a way. Yeah. And because I thought about there's plenty of times where there's like rumblings and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing this, they're doing that. We give you an applause in advance, but 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 most people, are, you know, when when you're le- a leader, like how much feedback do you need to hear as a leader before you finally go, okay, yeah, maybe Ooh. I do need to do okay, this. You might have did that. See, I'm listening. I'm just looking at this. It is not very frequent. And we we were talking before we started recording. We were talking about other films that did this. And you brought up Aquaman. Yeah. And I said, yeah, but Aquaman didn't release a trailer and a a release date and be like, hey, this is the movie you're gonna get. And then everyone freaked out. And then they completely changed everything. No, but I still Th- am this really, is like really glad that this they did movie's that, done. That first movie was horrible. Yeah. Oh God. I'm just saying, like Love they me. they this movie had the trailer. And they're like, no, oh gosh, we have to change. No matter how much money this is going to cost us, we have to change. How much negative feedback do you need to hear as a leader to be convinced that you have to to fix something? Mm, I don't want to touche. I'll give you that. But um, think about when the 600 men were getting ready to kill David. Mm-hmm. There was, was there a, a trailer for that? that in there. No, that was 300. Just chill out. Ah. <laughs> uh. This is the movie minute, man. I'm gonna bring up some <laughs> some movie, movie references if I have to. But tonight, y'all can't see me. I'm talking straight through my teeth like Gerard was his name. Mm. <laughs> but tonight mm. we dine. Yes. In, okay. Yeah, I'm done. That was my jam for the Olympus time, has though. fallen. Oh yeah. Yeah. How but many he's... how many terrible date movies was that guy into? Good lord. Any of the fallen movies? Those, those are all bad. Those weren't date movies. I was talking about the rom coms. Oh, Him and Catherine Heigl did oh, like yeah, 14 right. of those together. Yeah, whatever. Terrible. Yeah, I was just thinking about the Olympus has fallen, angels fallen things, but there's still nothing worse than White House Down. Is that the name of the movie? The one that had Jamie Foxx in it? Uh, yes, but yeah. that was that was a white president and with the, the black ask me if security ask or secret me if service. Just ask the other one's the other way around. Where Morgan, is it Morgan Freeman, the yeah. president? Yeah. Yes. I know. It's cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Still ask me if I care though. No, I guess, I guess he, no. <laughs> I I haven't seen either one of them because I will judge a movie by its trailer. There were people we went to the Man Up conference, and uh-huh. there were people who could either go hang out with a group of us who went out after, or they were going to go see Midway. And I said, Midway, you're going to go see Midway instead of just go hang out. You're going to go see a movie that looks like Pearl Harbor with like makeup, like. <laughs> I mean, there's some rosy-cheeked individuals in that that Midway trailer. It was not doing it for me. Midway, I'm like, no way. That's how I felt. But, well, you know. Mm. So, yes, I will happily judge a movie by its trailer. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why they have them. Well, now you know. 
I don't spend my money in, in, in two, crime, two hours. Devin is, is highly judgmental when it comes to your movies. He Extremely judgmental. You better if you can't produce a good trailer. How can I? How can I possibly think you're going to produce a good two hour movie? Okay. Yeah. I got no ripes. <laughs> this has been is. your yeah, exactly. movie <laughs> minute. Yes. Uh, yeah, that right there. No. All right, well, people, I think we're going to wrap it up and call it a night over here. Yep. Um, but praying for everybody. Hoping y'all have the best week yet. Uh, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all those beautiful things. Yes. Um, and, of course, we'd love to hear your feedback, too. We'd love to have a conversation about anything and everything. Uh, and try our best to always tie it into the word because we're just looking for truth, man. Absolutely. Knowledge of the truth. So it can set us free because some of us, wow. Anyway, uh, this has been Eye to Eye. And again, don't forget to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. I'm Jordan. I'm Devin. Well, I'll let you later. Peace. Okay.